Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, July 18, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 47 in the chapter, We Agnostics, and we're beginning on the second paragraph today. It begins with the sentence, we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, July 17th, is 4811. That's 4811. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Diane to please read the 12 steps. Press star 1 to unmute, Diane. Hi, this is Diane. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, Diane. I'm sorry. Okay, this is Diane from New Hampshire. Um, Twelve steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Diane. I'd now like to ask Meg to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Meg, and I am a grateful, compulsive overeater in Vermont. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I passed. Thank you so much, Meg. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on recovery, described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we 
resume our study of the big book. And we are on page 47 in the chapter, We Agnostics. We are beginning with the second paragraph on that page that begins, we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. And this morning, I am going to ask Kathy Kay to please get us started. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Kathy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. And uh, this is such a, a optimistic and encouraging paragraph, um, which I love. And... Uh, You know, I do remember early in my OA life, which started 20 years ago, um, being very discouraged that I could really benefit from the 12 steps because I was such a strong agnostic. And um, I've had sponsors over the years, each of whom encouraged me in a slightly different way but that encouragement was so important. Um, the first sponsor um, who encouraged me told me just to say the third step prayer and the seventh step prayer on my knees every morning, um, whether I thought God was listening or not, and to act as if. And I did that for a while, and uh, it was kind of, Um, at first very awkward and uh, a sense of, uh, I felt a bit hypocritical because I had no belief at that point. Um, But I did find that when I missed a few days, I missed the experience of somehow um, surrendering that the way those words enabled me to do. Um, And then uh, I began, I was asked, to write a definition of what I wanted God to be for me. And that was an amazing experience, to be able to put on paper my conception of God. Um, And throughout the years, there's been a number of different requests. When I did my fourth step, um, I was asked uh, to say the third step prayer every time I sat down to write. And um, that really had, by that point, I actually experienced that I had this power greater than me helping me to do this very um, important and sometimes difficult writing. Um, And little by little, all those actions in which I thought I was acting as if actually became very meaningful to me and an important part of my day. And um, I am so grateful today that I had uh, fellows around me to reinforce this idea um, that all I have to do is 
consider to be willing to believe um, and in turn to take some simple actions. Uh, and today I can say that I look forward to my prayer time. I pause throughout my day um, and I definitely have a vital relationship with my higher power. And uh, I'll always be grateful for the big book and the way uh, it helps me remember how to stay connected. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Well, I've got here. I'm Go ahead, Sheila. Good morning and happy anniversary, Vision, for you. This is Sheila, compulsive overeater from New York. Wanted to identify and jump in early with this particular paragraph because I would say throughout the years of being very attentive church member and very active in the church, learning to have a spiritual awakening has, has had nothing to do with my religious practice, but to make a long story short, and I've shared this often in the last couple of weeks, the most recent conscious contact that I have had every now and then and throughout the day, I, I especially appreciate the most recent share and qualification. I can just sit still. I don't have to reach far for it to come back. It literally brings tears to my eyes. All I need to do is sit still, and I can still feel that conscious contact with God, and that's quite a blessing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sheila. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. And I'd like to comment on this paragraph, too, this morning. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing to have a belief in a higher power. And I am so very grateful that the big book has made it so clear that these first 100 recovered alcoholics who got together and with Bill W. at the helm for the writing, put together this information and put it down on paper. You know, their experience with step two, with a higher power, with step one and step two, because that's where we're at when we're looking at this paragraph. You know, do I, first of all, do I believe that I am powerless? You know, they asked me that. You know, do I believe that I am powerless, knowing what I know now? about the allergy of my body, something which I had, have, had had no explanation for before. You know, why is it? Why is it that I have a certain reaction to foods? Well, it was explained to me. It was explained to me. And then to know that I am powerless over that. And do I believe that? Do I believe that? Well, yes, I did. Because the experience had shown me that I could believe that. It had always been my experience. And then they start to talk to me about this higher power. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. We needed to ask ourselves that to be at this place that they're talking about. And they said, it's your own conception of God. When we speak to you, God, it's your own conception of God. You know, can you believe that there is a power greater than you? And in order for this foundation to be built we needed to ask ourselves that question. And then we needed to answer that for ourselves. So I needed to say to myself, you know, this believing, this believing in a higher power, well, what does that mean to me? 
It's a state of mind that I'm in. It's a state of mind that I'm in. I'm willing to admit complete defeat. This thing had me licked. You know, food, food had me licked. This idea in my head had me licked. So if I was going to get any kind of a relief from that, if I was going to start this process, then part of what needed to be happening to me is to be building this belief in a higher power. And my sponsor showed me, because she stood before me, recovered, she stood before me, a light shining in her eyes. She stood before me, coping with life in a way that I hadn't been able to. And I thought, if she has something that she's found, that she believes in, that's helping her, then maybe I can find something. The same kind of concept of God. You know, there was not, not a lot of certainty because I hadn't yet had the experience. But it was a great place to start. It was a great place to start because it said it had been repeatedly proven among us. So those people standing in front of me who it had been proven among them that this higher power thing worked. And it was something that I could grab hold of. It worked for them. It could work for me. And that was where the belief started for me. You know, all the conceptions I had of God, all of the background I had, all of the beliefs that I had had before that, some of that might still be useful and helpful to me, but here was something new and different, and it was working. So I could come to believe in a power greater than myself. I could keep moving forward in this process, and by doing that, come to a conception of God that worked for me, that worked for me. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is the Monica. May I share? Leah. Monica. Okay, I heard Monica. And who else before Leah? Kim. Patricia. Patricia. Okay, Monica, Patricia, and then Leah. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Happy anniversary. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? So, yeah, we're talking about step two here. And it's asking me, if do I now believe? Well, okay, if I'm not able to say a yes to that, can I say, am I even willing to believe? And I think this is so hopeful and so important here. Just having the willingness to believe in something greater than myself. And uh, I was sort of in this place when I started at this point. Because, you know, everything I had tried didn't work. Everything I thought I knew uh, wasn't right. But a recovered person, recovered people said, do this work and you can have what we have. And I wanted what they had. I wanted recovery. And they said, you don't have to be able to understand it or define it. Right now, just a willingness to believe that there's something greater than you that can help you. In our experience here, it has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, this simple piece you know, you can start. Here is a beginning. You know, we are people that need beginnings. We need a starting point. So here's a starting point. 
And I was instructed to ask this question of a sponsee when I had brought them, when we had gotten to this point in the reading. Do they believe? Are they willing to believe? And if they say yes, I then say emphatically, I emphatically assure you, you are on your way. Emphatically, completely, strongly, forcefully, you are on your way. You've made a beginning. And you cannot go through these steps and not come to a better understanding. As a result of doing these steps, you will get something you've never had. And I pass. Thank you, Monica. Go ahead, Patricia. Yes, I just wanted to share on the power. This is Patricia from North Carolina. Um, the power greater than myself. When I, when I was asked this question, and I always had a religious faith, okay? So uh, God was always there. But to believe that there was a power greater than me was a relief. It was a humbling relief. Because the torture and torment that I was in, I couldn't get out of it. So therefore, to believe that there was a power greater than myself was like, yes, I ha- yes, I do believe. And, and it was kind of an awakening for me because I always, I guess I took it for granted that God was always there throughout my life. I took it for granted. I, you know, I would pray and I would do the church and I would all kinds of stuff, but I didn't, I didn't have that, that, that belief, that the real belief that he was really, 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 really greater than me. Um, and, and then the cornerstone, it's, it's really uh, kind of nice how they use the word cornerstone, because this is that same word is in my big, big book, you know, and, and how it, that is my structure, that he my higher power, God, is my structure, okay? My Savior is my structure for my life. And unless he, unless I build my life around his direction, then I am not going to survive. I'm just not going to. I'll be back in self-will. Self-will run riot, you know? And, and this is just... For me, this is very humbling, and I have to stay here. You know, I spend a lot of time in my garden, you know, and and God revealed to me that it wasn't my job. You know, one day I had this thing about my uh, bird bath being not that much water in it, and I need to clean it and stuff, and oh my goodness, the birds aren't going to get, you know, they're going to be thirsty, and I was starting to worry about the birds, and and the Spirit reminded me, you know, the Holy Ghost reminded me, that's not your job. That's my job to take care of these birds, you know? And it was so funny how I can do that, that I can turn around and, and think that I have some kind of power or some kind of control over things that clearly are not nothing I've done. I have not done this beauty. I have not done anything, you know? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, recovered compulsive overeater. Do I now believe, meaning can I accept as true, or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. 
you know, I had a very crippled belief system, um, no relationship with God. What does we agnostics mean? We agnostics means we without knowledge. I was not spiritually developed. You know, I had the spiritual maturity maybe of, a, of an eight-year-old. But the reality was that I was in a ward uh, <laughs> where the doors were locked and I had a plastic uh, wristband around, you know, plastic bracelet around my wrist. Uh, so my best thinking had got me in that condition. Um, the results were obvious. So, yes, I had a major obstacle here uh, because I had no knowledge, no, um, you know, no knowledge, no relationship with this unseen, unknown, untouchable presence. And, uh, you know, that's that's a place that many of us, come to and we find it hard to trust others and certainly the loneliness of our present condition can cause us to fall back onto uh, self-sufficiency and our own resources and a lot of people like myself doubt that God can heal us or is even uh, interested in doing so but the reality of my situation was I was cornered because unless I let go of this distrust and begin to lean in, to press into this program of recovery, I was going to continue to operate in an insane manner. And the chaos and the confusion of my life was going to only increase. So, you know, my experience was that I experienced God when my resistance stopped. It says here, as soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically, we completely, we strongly assure him that he is on his way. How can they say that? How can they say that with that kind of passion and, uh, and, and strength? They can say that because it is their collective experience. It's their collective voice, their collective wisdom. That is their experience. You know, they they had that experience. It has been repu- repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective structural spiritual structure can be built. Excuse me. It has been repeatedly proven among us. That was their experience. These men and women who were recovered, they were living proof to others that God had done for them what they could not do for themselves. And that's exactly my experience. When I sat across across the table from someone in whom the problem had been solved, and he cracked open these pages, and he told me his story, and he read to me from these words, and he showed me how he was delivered from the quicksand through this process. He was living proof. It was like a big show-and-tell operation. And every time I went to other meetings, and every time people stood up, the young, the old, the black, white, men, women, people from all different walks of life, and they said that these pages, that this pressing in to this program, being willing to let go and press in, coming to believe, had restored them to sanity through this process, that gave me hope. (laughs) That gave me hope. All I needed to do was to be willing to believe that a power greater than myself, whoever, whatever it was, was going to be waiting to be my personal salvation. And what followed as I proceeded through the steps was a process. It was a process that brought this power into my life and enabled me to grow in love, in health, and in grace. 
you know, the reality that these people were sharing with me is that I was never going to be completely free until I totally yielded myself to God. But it began with a willingness to press into this program. And what is the spiritual structure that we're talking about? The spiritual structure that we're building is the spiritual awakening. And how do you get one of those? You get one of those by embarking on this spiritual journey and applying these very steps. But it begins with this willingness, this willingness, because everything man accomplishes begins in his mind. You have to first believe that you can do something. First believe that you can do something. And then with that willingness to believe, God will prove himself to you. At least that was my experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, this is Amy. Go ahead, Amy. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Powerful, powerful paragraph. As soon as a man can say he does believe or he is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It's been repeatedly proven among us upon this simple cornerstone a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Boy, it seems kind of amazing that just being willing to believe is enough to start this program. But it really, really is. As Layad says, that we have to let go of ourselves and our self-will. And it's been repeatedly smashed home through these experiences that have been with Jim and Fred and others and my own experience combined. I didn't have any experience about a higher power, but I certainly had experience with this disease. And uh, all of my efforts and all of my will brought me to a turning point. And what's fascinating here is they're making a very strong point, which is that, you know, we've been talking about powerlessness and powerlessness about this disease. But at this point, this turning point, you know, we stand at the turning point, we ask his care and complete abandon, as it talks about in the How It Works. When we become willing to believe, it's indicative of a choice. We keep talking about our powerlessness, but here, here we do have the power to do something. It's the amazing paradox of this program that in order to get this program, we have to let go of ourselves. You know, step two doesn't say being restored to abstinence. It says restored to sanity. And that's what we have to do. We have to let go of our own ideas, knowing that our own ideas, my ideas, got me dying of this disease. That was my experience. I didn't have the other experience of those who have gone before and stood in front of me recovered, but I heard what they had to say. I know they had done what I had done by hearing their stories. I had identified in, and I had a choice. I had a choice to believe at that point, and I had to make that choice. That I had the power to do. I had the power to surrender. I had the power to let go. I had the power to choose to believe in this program. It says, it says here on page 17, let's go back to the very beginning of the book, what they say. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. There's no secret code. It's here, and a hundred of, of them have already said they've done it. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in bar- brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism and compulsive overeating. We have a way. We've experienced it. We've recovered. We are handing you the life raft, but at some point we've got to pick it up. We've got to choose. We have to make that choice. There is the power 
of choice on our part to do it, to say, I give up. You guys show me the way. I'm not sure about this higher power thing, but I know it must be a power greater than me because that's what was constantly reinforced to me in the beginning as an agnostic. Amy, if your way is working so well, what are you doing here? Why are you here? My way was killing me. So I had to be willing, I had to choose to let go of my way and be willing to go to any length, whatever my recovered sponsor said, get down, dig into the steps, whatever was necessary, you know, stand on my hands and climb, I don't know, walk backwards to China. That was what I was going to do because I knew that I had made a choice to let go and work this program, believe in this program, believe in those who have gone before. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. This is Leah. Leah. Okay. Okay. And who did I... I heard someone before, Leah. Leah. Irini. Irini. Irini and then Leah. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. Um, Good morning, my spiritual fellows. Um, I am a very compulsive overeater, very grateful, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Excuse me. Um, believing, believing is accepting something, you know, that is true without evidence. It's giving God a chance to believe, you know, through faith that God can and will make a difference in our lives, but only and only if we let him. You know, I certainly didn't make a difference. So letting God make a difference for me was huge, just by letting him. And believing in something, you know, we have to ask for and and. We have to know that it's ours without without any evidence. And um, this is keeping the focus on God. And this is staying on our spiritual path, is to be able to replace our questions and our doubts with acceptance. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Edini. And go ahead, Leah. Good morning. This is Leah, a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I'm going back to the question where it says in the beginning, we need to ask ourselves but one short question. I had God in my life, but I just moved on. Everything else continued with my life, and this is also part of my life. But I never integrated it into me, into myself. And this is what I do every single time not only with food, but with everything in my life. I ask that question, do I believe in every situation, in every part, in every, in every moment? Because if I don't ask that question, I'm eventually going to resort to food. I know it's, it's going to, it's so powerful because that's what's going to happen in the end. But before I do anything, in my whole life, in my whole day, every time I have to reiterate that question, do I believe, do I believe not only with food, but with every situation in my life? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Esther, if you would read that for us. Good morning. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive reader in Canada. That was great news to us, for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, 
which seemed difficult to believe. When presented us, when people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if only I could believe as he believes, but I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. So this paragraph continues the idea in the previous paragraph, and that is that in step two, all that's required from us is um, to believe or to be willing to believe in a power greater than than ourselves. And, and that's that's it. It's that simple. But for many of us, especially those that came in as agnostics, we thought that in order to have what these recovered alcoholics had and in order to proceed, you know, at this point with the steps, that we needed to have faith. And we simply didn't have that faith, right? I mean, that those of those those who were agnostics or atheists didn't have that faith. Um, and in fact, that's an incorrect assumption because at this stage, at step two, we aren't asked and we don't need to have faith. Belief and faith are two different things. Belief is, is what comes um, before an action or decision, and faith usually comes afterwards as a result of that action. And there's um, you know, an illustration that's often used in the rooms to describe the difference between faith and, and belief. Let's say, for example, I'm new in town, and and my car's uh, needs to be fixed. My car's broken. I needed a mechanic. So I don't know any mechanics. I'm new in town. And I turn to my neighbor, who I don't really know well either, but I say to her, who do you know that could help me, you know, that could fix my car? So she says, oh, you got to go to Joe the mechanic. He's really good. Now, I don't have any faith in Joe the mechanic because I don't have any relationship with him, and I certainly don't know my neighbor very well either. But I, I have belief. I believe that, that Joe the mechanic could do a good job, and that's enough for me to make a decision and, and to take action and go ahead and bring my car to him. So I do, and he does a great job, and he fixes the car. And at this point, I've got faith in Joe the mechanic because I've got the experience. Um, I have I have faith based on the experience that he can do a good job fixing my car. So a lot of people get into trouble with step two because they're confusing faith and belief. They think that they need to have faith before they can start, but we um, we don't get faith before we start. First, we um, first we believe, and we you know make a decision to take. First, we believe, and then we could pr- proceed. And then once um, and then once we've had experience, that then comes the faith. Um, and that's why the big book t- um, says in that paragraph, it uses two uh, phrases here, that was great news to us, and it was comforting to learn. Why Why was it good news for us and comforting to learn? Because now we realize that all we needed to do was to believe um, or be willing to believe, and then the rest would follow. So we're happy to know that that it's that simple and nothing more complicated. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Miss Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. Happy anniversary. One year today. Um, my name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. You know, it's so important for us to understand where we are. We're in step two. And for those of us who have been around a long time in the fellowship, trying to work this program like a buffet and picking and choosing where we are, we get ourselves confused and frustrated. And I often hear people or have conversations with people that are on step two and they're talking about taking it easy, relaxing, 
I'm doing the third step prayer, I'm doing the seventh step prayer, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. That is not what this is about. This is that one short question. We can so complicate this in the fellowship. You know, when we admit we're powerless, page 44 told us what that means. It told us we have an allergy to the body, obsession of the mind. And in OA, we have 15 questions about are we a compulsive overeater. I think in AA, they have 40 questions. But the big book is telling us, do we have the allergy to the body? Do we have the obsession of the mind? Check, check. Move on. Step two is asking us this one short question. Do I believe? Do I now believe or am I willing to believe there's a power greater than myself? Okay, check. Let's move on. And we so complicated. We make these, these very complicated formulas of how we have to define God and how we have to understand this before we can move on. What step two is simply saying, the, the comforting thing to learn is all step two is, is I recognize I need God. And if I recognize that I need God, I need a higher power, then I'm being propelled to make that decision. But until I recognize that I need God, why would I move further? Why? You know, it's kind of like bringing a kid into a gymnastic class and they're doing somersaults and saying, you know what, Cirque du Soleil is in town. You're a gymnast. Why don't you go play with Cirque du Soleil? I mean, that's insane. Someone could get killed. But yet we do that. We think we're on step two and we ask ourselves to do the 11th step. We ask ourselves to do the 10th step. We think we should be practicing these principles in all of our affairs when we don't even have a true dependence on God. That's what we're looking for. We want to trust, rely, and depend on God. And how do we do that? We do that by proceeding through the steps. It's the steps that are going to give us access to that power. All we're being asked to do right now is, is, is be convinced that we need that power. So once again, it is so comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. And the more we complicate it, the more we're going we're gonna to be fighting it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I'd like to join in here on this paragraph a little bit. You know, it, at this paragraph, great news. This was great news for us, they say. This is great news for us that you can be exactly where you're at and you're in just the right spot. Just the right spot. And I love that they use the word comfortable. Comfortable and uncomfortable. Comfortable and uncomfortable. Because guess what? I don't know if you're anything like me, but this whole subject was uncomfortable to me. Uncomfortable to me. The food was down. The food was down. I didn't have the food to go to. It wasn't anesthetizing me anymore. It wasn't the way I could cope with things that I didn't know how to cope with. The allergy of the body was not being triggered. And now I'm working on the obsession of the mind because I don't want to pick up again. I don't want to pick up again. And I'm in the process. I'm in the process, but it is uncomfortable. And if you're anything like me, you want everything to be comfortable. So, you know, this whole idea of leaning in, holding on, and moving through the process was a whole new way of dwelling in the possibilities. Dwelling in the possibilities. 
And they said that this was a place I could start at. A simple place. Uncomplicated. I didn't have to make it all about some big, huge problem. I could say, I have the desire. Because we know that that's the only requirement. A desire to stop eating compulsively. A desire to have this thing work. Even if I wasn't there yet, where I had this certainty, it was uncertain, it was all uncomfortable, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. So if you're anything like me and if you're new here, it's all right that it's uncomfortable. We've all been there. You know, we can normalize this uncomfortableness. We've all been there. We've all been there. And those in whom the problem had been solved showed me, showed me that they could be right there with me. They had been uncomfortable too with this whole idea of God. They had been uncomfortable in this process and it didn't stop them. So perhaps it wouldn't stop me. You know, many people presented us with spiritual spiritual processes that they've been through, with spiritual approaches. And I could say, I will find mine. That's what they told me. You will find yours. If you hold on tight, if you stay in this process, if you work these steps as if your life depended on it, you will grow in a belief. You will grow in trust and reliance and dependence on God. You will grow ever stronger in this program. And they showed me that it was possible. And that I could hang on to. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Rose? Go ahead, Rose. Thank you, Janice. This is Rose, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, It's this last sentence where I so identify in as to what happened to me when um, I was given the opportunity to um, go to the second step and consider for the first time in my life that there might be a power greater than myself. And very much like what you said, the comfort that I experienced. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. And just briefly, um, at this simple level, which was an uncomplicated level, a level without guile or deceit, all of my past um, head stuff, intellectuality, beliefs um, that were totally under the power of compulsive overeating, unbeknownst to me, thinking I was thinking my own thoughts so intelligently, so clearly, so powerfully, so effectively, so wonderfully running my life that I was 250 pounds living in the same clothes each day, hardly ever showering. Um, uh, This is all with this college degree and whatever else I thought my life was um, being supported by. And literally the experience I had that night Um, when I first prayed, which was my first experience of coming to believe, was that it was comforting. And it was really because I was able, I was given a chance to start at a simple level that in that kind of drugged state,
Rose, would you please press star one? Thank you. I don't know what happened. Um, what I was saying is that that's all that it took for the for the door to be open for me to um, to just reach in the smallest, tiniest way to say, "Help me." And I and the belief came in. It came in seemingly in such a small way, but this is uh, 40 years later has grown into something that is no longer tiny and is still growing. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rose. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Paula. This is Julia. Julia. Meg. Paula. Judy and Meg. We'll start with Paula. Thank you. Thank you for your service also, Janice. And yes, happy anniversary and happy indeed. I'd like to go to this line, if you'd come along with me. And I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. And then that ends with the question, with a, a period. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. I wish I had what that man had. But what that man had was what I saw. It was way beyond belief. How does someone show up for someone they don't even know? How do they give time from their busy life from someone they don't know? But see, there it ended. They did know me. They did know me. And they showed up. That's where my belief grew. How does someone do that? That's got to be something way beyond way beyond the human. It was a goodness I didn't understand. But that was what it was, a beginning. They showed up. They cared. Then it ended, so it was comforting, and that it was to soothe a state of ease when I was in disease, a state of ease, to learn, finally, to learn, to acquire we came in this agnostic chapter without knowledge. What are we doing here? We're acquiring knowledge that we could commence. Oh, there it is. Just a beginning. Second step. Second step. But look what proceeds. At a simpler level, oh, yes, I could not take it at a complex level. I was just coming out of into so here I was, and how comforting to know I didn't have to have it all. I didn't have to have it all. Just a small portion. It was enough. It was enough. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And go ahead, Judy F. Thank you, Janice. This is Judy F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Happy anniversary. And um, I just wanted to Relate back this this month. It'll be 22 years of abstinence um, and recovery for me. And I I think back in the beginning, and I had always complicated. I tried everything to stop eating, and I um and at the end I knew I needed spiritual help, and so I went to all types of churches and trying to figure it out in my head. 
And when I finally surrendered and um, came in, it was through a treatment center, and they said, you know, keep this simple, simple, simple. And their suggestion and a recovery response that I had after is, you know, stay on the step you're on, step two. I had the food down when it says came to believe. I came and then came to. So the food was down and then believe was believing in something not of myself. And they said, write an want ad on what you wanted your higher power to be. And it brings it back in the big book. You know, we find a power greater than ourselves, our own conception of God. And it could be so simple. And for me, the beginning was the people that have gone before me that were recovered. And they, that, that group was my higher power. And it, since then, 22 years later, it's grown into something so much more personal and a God of my understanding that keeps growing. But I had to keep being reminded this is simple. And I'm on step two. I'm not on four. I'm not on 11. I'm on step two. And this process, and they had a big mural at the treatment center that said, trust the process. So to believe in this process of this book and to believe the, all of us who've been through this can say, without a doubt, we've had a spiritual awakening. The problem has been removed. And just to keep my mind on where I'm at, grow where I'm planted. And right now we're at step two. And it's beautiful because I don't have to figure this all out. I can just be in this process and trusting and not even fully trusting, just willing. And that, that's huge, that willing to have an open mind, set aside my old ideas and to believe even a small thread of belief that this, this can work for me. If it worked for all these other others, it can work for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And go ahead, Meg. Um, uh, hello. Thank you. This is Meg, Pulsive Overeater in Vermont. The previous share had just said something that I was about to share on, to grow where we are planted. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Well, I don't know about you, but here it's summer. And there are quite a few vegetables that are coming into season, most notably sweet teas out in my garden. And they're, they've got the fruits on them, and I'm enjoying them in my salads, and it's wonderful. But those peas did not come about just because I suddenly planted a plant, and then, oh, there is the fruit. I had to plant the seed in order to get those plants. And those seeds are just simple little seeds. That's all they are. And it certainly seems like a huge job to get the leaves and the branches, let alone the fruits of their labor, which will happen in a couple weeks after planting them. But when I plant that seed, they're not thinking about the fruits that they're going to produce a couple weeks later. They're thinking about absorbing that water, that nutrients in the soil. And then they form a little bit, they, they germinate, and they go above the soil, and they feel the sun, and they take the sun, and they have photosynthesis, and they grow some more. They take more water from the soil. They take more nutrients from the soil. 
And they don't just suddenly grow into a giant plant. They slowly grow. They slowly take up those nutrients. And eventually, they are a full-size plant. But it didn't happen all at once. And that's how belief is for me. It can't be forced. It comes naturally with willingness and honesty. And it grows. And eventually, there's fruits. But it's not all at once. Thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Meg. Well, I think we'll end here today. Um, what a great meeting. Thank you, everyone. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And, and uh, Katie, if you could read that for us. Good morning. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. <laughs>